Hi. How we doing? How we doing? It's Monday. It's 3.30 p.m. I know I'm streaming a little bit later than my uh, my normal stream time. But nonetheless, none the more, we are here to talk ball. We are here to recap week 14, game by game, everything that happened in the NFL over the last 24 hours. We've got two Monday night football games tonight. we got the Packers and the G-Men. We've got Tua and the Titans going head-to-head. And speaking of Tua and the Titans, right now, on underdog, they have a completely free square for y'all. If Tua can throw one single yard, if he can complete one pass over the line of scrimmage, you're going to win on underdog. So they're setting you up for success. They just want you on the platform. They just want you to have some fun. You know, in this economy, we're into week 14. Shit is is not fun anymore. You know, we're getting knocked out of playoffs left and right. We're losing our buy spots left and right. But here's a win for you right here. Okay. So head over to Underdog. When you go, download the Underdog app and you use our code BDGE. Not only are you going to get that free square, but they're going to double whatever you put down onto your account. All right. Put down 10, you'll have 20. You put down 40, you're going to have 80. You put down 80, you're going to have 160. And we're going to put it all on Tua to pass for one yard. Don't get concussed, good sir. While everybody's coming in, how are we doing? Let's check the chat right quick. Aaron Jones is out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I was saying in the uh, in the queue and assault on Saturday, I, I didn't trust him. Someone asked me if he should wait. For Aaron Jones or play, uh, I forget who he asked, but I said we can't, we cannot trust that man's. That man's is untrustworthy. That man's is a cheating hoe. Hang. Sorry, we're gonna get into it. I promise. Um. We're going to go game by game. I'm going to break down everything that you need to know for your fantasy playoffs. Let's start with Thursday night football. Let's get me up on the big screen in the side view over here. Everybody sit back, relax, tuck your shirts in because we're going to be here for the long haul. Bang. All right. So we had what was supposed to be the worst game in the history of the world. Patriots versus Steelers on Thursday night football. It's crazy that we are we are like so excited for a 39-point game. 39 points were scored in this one, and it felt like it was a shootout because we were expecting – if you asked me, if you told me before the game, you're like, this game's going to total either 9 points or 39 points, what's more likely? I might have leaned towards the 9-point total. But it wasn't, 39 points, uh, and mostly because of the Patriots' QB and running back play. Bailey Zappi, three scores, an interception, but was moving the ball. 8.6 yards per attempt. And more importantly, let's let's try to stick to the fantasy takeaways. I always just be yapping to yap. You know, we're here to yap and recap. But let's stick to the fantasy relevant things. Zeke, and I wish I pushed harder on this. Zeke, fuck, I knew he was going to have a big game. I knew he was going to be that fucking dude. They just use their running backs in the passing game so heavily. Like with with Ramondre even this year and earlier on, like Zeke was even getting a bunch of uh, targets as well. Like they just combined for between like six to eight targets a game, that running back position, and now it is all Zeke. 
It is all Zeke. So he goes for 140 total yards, seven catches, and scores a touchdown. So Zeke is pretty much really, really trustable going forward with Ramondre out given his workload. It's just crazy. Their offense is going to run through him, and he looks relatively good. So uh, let that man eat in your lineup. On the flip side, we had Kenny Pickett out. We have Mitch Trubisky, who ends up having a decent fantasy day. Najee and Jalen Warren, both super disappointing. Deontay Johnson does get in the end zone, so he saves your fantasy day 357 and a touchdown. But nothing else to really take away from uh, here. I mean, Mitch Trubisky under center, you're going to have problems with this offense. And um, and Deontay Johnson is the main target there. Bucks and Atlanta, like... I think Desmond ended up uh, leading the NFL in passing yards on Sunday. Desmond Ritter is like, I heard someone say today, Desmond Ritter is, he's really good in between horrendous plays. It's like, it's like he'll go eight to 10 dropbacks looking like a really good, usable NFL quarterback, but you just know something horrendous is coming. Something just like game altering is coming. There's never, there's never like a, there's never an ease. Sorry, I don't get peace of mind as a Falcons fan watching them play, because there are times where he just yucks it downfield, and I'm like, fuck, dude, he's got some spin. Like he could yeet, you know what I mean? Like he could really get behind the ball and put it into a place where London can get it deep downfield. Like his arm strength is 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 a little bit underrated, but it's like no matter how many times in a row he does that, you know you're just one throw away from losing the fucking game, taking safeties, shit like that. Um, but good to see that like huge breakout game from Drake London. 10 for 172 on 11 targets. That man had one of the most beautiful go up and get the fucking ball plays I've seen in a long time at the end of the game there. Drake London, this is one of those games that realistically we've kind of been waiting for this game. We've been waiting for Drake London to show us why he was the eighth overall pick. He's had good games before, but this was like his takeover type game. Now they play the Panthers next week, and every team just goes with a super run-heavy approach against the Panthers. So I don't know how much you could really expect this to continue. London's been the alpha here all year, depending on how how closely you've been paying attention. You probably knew that. But if you look at any sort of like share numbers, you know, target share, red zone share, all that kind of shit, it's it's been London all year. Um Kyle Pitts gets into the end zone on a nice like play down the field, but like not consistent whatsoever. Bijan does get in. He catches five balls, 10 carries. Um, I heard somewhere that the Bucks only had nine defenders in on, on the uh, goal line run that Bijan got in there. So shout out to them. Love that. Anytime you could put nine guys on the goal line against Bijan Robinson, you got to at least try it, right? Got to try it. Um, but then Baker leads just a, a really nice drive down the field, and they beat us with about 30 seconds left. I I thought there was just no chance that Jesse Bates was going to let that shit happen. And then he let that shit happen. It was sad. Uh, Rashad White, 25 for 102 on the ground. So another big game despite playing against a very, very tough run defense in Atlanta. He also goes two for 33 in a touchdown. So his his season continues. Actually, I want to see where that where that Mr. Rashad White ranks. He's got to be. He's top five right now in standard, which means he's got to be even higher in non. He's the... RB4 right now on the year in half PPR, and he is the RB4 as well on the year in full PPR. What a year by Rashad White, man. What a year by Rashad White. Um, 
So shout out to him. Has another big game. Chris Godwin, I guess the squeaky wheel thing kind of worked. 11 targets, only went 5 for 50. He literally goes 5 for 53 like every – every. He's, he is a cone. He is a fucking cone. I don't know how many times I could say it. Uh, Mike Evans, terrible game. Terrible. Six for one. Six targets, one catch, eight yards. He was like an inch away from scoring a super sexy touchdown, but his hand landed before his second foot did out of bounds. Um, so would have had a an okay day at least, but this was one of the more disappointing games for Mike Evans, given the fact that Jeff Okuda was out, A.J. Terrell. Um, I think Terrell actually ended up playing. I thought he was out with a concussion, but I believe he, yeah, he did end up playing, which I don't know. That was weird. He was like, so I saw a tweet saying he wasn't going to travel with the team on Sunday, or he wasn't going to he wasn't going to be uh, active with the team on Sunday, and then all of a sudden he's playing. So, guess could have kept a closer eye on that. But regardless, not worried about starting Evans. I still like wouldn't start Godwin. Detroit and Chicago. This is a fun one. This was a fun one. If you're a Chicago fan, we saw Justin Fields pop off. This dude just eats the Detroit Lions for a living. This dude eats them alive. Every time they play, he pops off for big games. He was awesome on the ground, 12 for 58, and a touchdown. He was awesome through the air, 223 yards, uh, a touchdown, zero interceptions. DJ Moore got it done, 6 for 68, and a touchdown also got in on the ground. Now, the the biggest fantasy takeaway here is probably this was Deontay Foreman's first game since week 11 and immediately stepped back into leading the backfield. 11 carries, two Herbert's three, Roshan's one, uh, also got targeted three times, two uh, the other running backs who got zero targets in this game. So uh, Deontay Foreman seems to be the guy that's leading this backfield. Again, though, it's a three-way committee, so it's really tough to like have trust in Deontay Foreman. Those is an improving offense very, very rapidly. Really, really interesting, uh, you know, kind of storyline we got here with Chicago with Justin Fields and and their draft picks that they got. Probably gonna have the number one overall pick and then another really early pick. So it's like. It's interesting. We'll have to see what they do here. I feel like Justin Fields could play his way into being there next year, but I think there's just as likely of a chance that he's not there next year. But good to see him kind of just like letting loose and, and ripping the ball. I'm a, I'm a fan of Justin Fields. I drafted him a lot this offseason. And realistically, in the games that he's played, he got hurt for a large portion. But outside of that, he's been a pretty damn good fantasy QB. Uh, on the flip side, the backfield gives Demont split carries pretty – Evenly, um, Jameer Gibbs had some big breakaway plays. He had some big explosive plays. He got into the end zone. But other than that, like Jared Goff, I thought the narrative was was strong this week. You know, we got small hands Goff going into Chicago, tough place to play, especially at this point of the year. He's he's a Cali kid, man. He's He's got to play in that nice dome or warm weather or something like that to really, like, hit it off. And this was just another sample size in that in that narrative. I'm on Ross St. Brown with another bad game, but does lead the team in targets, nine targets, 35 pass attempts for Goff. So you're talking about 27% target share. Um, you know, not I'm not really worried about him. Bengals, Colts. Disgusting day from the Colts. Zach Moss, just a tragedy out there. Um, thought he was going to ball out this week. Doesn't do that. So I don't know, man. Jo- Jonathan Taylor could be back next week. Jonathan Taylor, I wouldn't put him at like, for sure, but I definitely would not rule him out yet. Um, so if he's back, obviously you're not playing Moss and you're playing Taylor and you're playing Michael Pittman every single week and it's hard to trust anybody else in that offense. On the flip side, Jake Browning is balling the fuck out, man. Jake Browning is playing really well. Back-to-back really good games. Uh, Joe Mixon, another big game, 24 touches, goes over 100 total yards, gets in the end zone. But Chase Brown is, is chilling. Chase Brown continues to make 
big fucking plays, man. Chase Brown continues to be just a better version of Samaje Piran at this point. I will say it's still hard to trust him. Like he goes for over 100 total yards and a touchdown because he has a big, big uh, receiving touchdown in this one. But he's still only playing like 25 to 30% of the snaps. He has increased his snap percentage in four straight weeks. Four straight weeks. He's playing more uh, long down and distance. He's playing more two and four minute drills. He's getting more involved and he's making big fucking plays. How sticky is that? Ah, hard to say, man. But clearly, you, like the the Bengals can't watch this guy and say like, nah, we need to take him off the field more. They need to put him on the field more. He is he is something that Joe Mixon does not have. It's those big those big juicy plays. So, I think Brown's an interesting like hold at this point. I I don't know if I have the nuts to to really like throw him into my lineup, especially with the first week of the fantasy playoffs coming in uh, hot and heavy next week. So Brown's a fun, interesting player, but like. I don't really know what that actually means for fantasy purposes. T. Higgins, two for 72. He's also really hard to trust. He had, you know, a couple big plays. Obviously, that's how you go two for 72, average 36 yards per catch. But, like, the consistency of, of targets, not great. So he's more of like a, a low-end wide receiver three going forward. Browns, Jacksonville. This was – I felt like they both got 75 possessions in this game. I feel like T-Law had 17 chances to win this one. But he throws three interceptions early on, ends up with three touchdowns. So his day was kind of saved, but like 50 pass attempts. I looked this up. He had 50 pass attempts in this one. That was the first time in 43 games that he has thrown over 50 pass attempts. So that led to 14 targets for Zay Jones, 13 targets for Calvin Ridley, 12 targets for Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram was the only one that actually did anything with his targets. 11 for 95, two touchdowns. So last week he scores his first touchdown. This week he scores two more. So he is ripping right now. Um, Calvin Ridley, four for 53 on 13 targets. Zay Jones, five for 29 on 14 targets. This is the first game without Christian Kirk fully. So you kind of saw how the targets were dispersed. Parker Washington makes another you know highlight catch and scores a touchdown. So he is he's definitely startable right now. This was a tough passing matchup, obviously, against Cleveland with Denzel Ward back. Um, but you're seeing Zay Jones be a huge part of this offense. You're seeing Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram and Parker Washington be like the condensed funnel part of this offense. Travis Etienne does get into the end zone, but another like relatively disappointing day. He does kind of save it four for 37 through the air. And you're starting him every week, right? There's no, there's no fucking point to be made here. On the flip side, we have Joe Flacco, another 300 plus yard passing day, three more touchdowns. This man just uh, is defying, defying physics. I kind of love Joe Flacco right now. I'm kind of like on, I kind of want to see the Browns in the playoffs just for Joe Flacco. I didn't want to at all. I had no fucking interest in them getting into the playoffs prior to Joe Flacco stepping onto the field, but he has looked fantastic. He has looked awesome and he's pumped life into this team. Jerome Ford split carries again with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt got the goal line work, but Jerome Ford left this one with, uh, I can't, I can't even remember what the injury was. I don't think it's that serious, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, in the receiving game, David Njoku, this game was just a game of tight ends. Six for 91 and two touchdowns, eight targets. Amari Cooper, 14 targets, seven for 77. He lost a fumble too, though. Uh, Elijah Moore, six targets. David Bell, one catch for it. I think that's his first catch in his fucking NFL career. That guy stinks. But you can clearly see when Amari Cooper's on the field, he, it, it, it's his offense, right? Like there was a lot of talk about Elijah Moore going into this one, but that was only going to be a worthwhile start if Amari Cooper didn't play. Uh, but he cleared concussion protocol. The ribs clearly weren't that big of an injury. Um, 
Cooper's on the field. It's it's Cooper's receiving group out there. Saints Panthers. <clears throat> Saints Panthers. I don't know. This game was a tragedy. Uh, just terrible to watch. This one. This 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 is the one. This is the one that probably turned everybody on Bryce Young. For a long time, it was easy to pinpoint all these other problems. You know, the coaching staff, the wide receiver group, the offensive line. This was the first game it felt like Bryce Young got real opportunity to like show why he was drafted highly. And he did not come up. He was missing guys left and right. He had a couple touchdowns deep downfield, wide the fuck open and just overthrew them. Um, he had a couple throws that were like nice on third downs and long and, and, and that kind of stuff. And like DJ Chark and the wide receivers did not help him out. But when you're playing this poorly and the team is not helping you, like you don't have that leash to miss wide open dudes down the field. So Bryce Young, not in a good spot right now. The future of this franchise, not in a good spot right now. Um, I, I can't say I see it getting better anytime soon. Chuba Hubbard, 23 more carries, 87 yards, two catches. So you're talking about 25 touches. 25 touches for a running back in a game where you lose by 22 points. I, I don't really know what to take away there. Miles Sanders did rip off a 48-yard run, but like that means nothing to me. Chuba Hubbard, it's his backfield and nobody else's. Uh, on the flip side, we saw Jamal Williams randomly get uh, – he had a, he had the highest number of snaps or the highest snap rate he's seen since week one. I think that might have been a product of Taysom Hill being out in this one. I had no idea Taysom Hill was even really like banged up or expected to miss, and then all of a sudden he just randomly missed this game. Didn't really mean anything for anybody. Um, Chris Olave, 4 for 28 and a touchdown. Jimmy Graham, the GOAT. Jimmy Graham, the fucking GOAT. He got three catches this year, four catches this year, three of them for a touchdown. Um, Kamara gets into the end zone, but just just like a terrible showing from Derek Carr. 4.6 yards per attempt. You go 18 for 26. 18 for 26. That's a good completion rate. 4.6 yards per attempt. Makes no sense. QBR of 32.8. Uh, just some abysmal quarterback play all around in this one. Alvin Kamara, five targets, three catches for negative 11 yards. This one you just kind of want to throw out, throw into the garbage. We were talking about this yesterday, actually, in the group chat. I was saying, if you combined the entire NFC South to make one team, they might win 10 games. They might win 10 games. I mean that with all sincerity. Because they don't, like, the only reason that teams in this division, we have three teams at 6-7, and seven, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Falcons, the only reason they're winning games is because they get to play each other. You combine all four of these teams. Like, who the fuck is the quarterback? Baker? That's so bad. It's so bad. They're probably not winning more than 10 games. They're probably not winning 10 games. They're, pro they're probably fighting for a playoff spot. That might be the first time in history that some shit like that you could say with a serious face. I only say shit with serious faces. I don't joke. Hang. Let's get it on and popping. Sorry, give me one sec. One sec. I got to check the damage. Um. 
Okay, let's move on. Texans Jets, just a fucking blowout. Uh, Nico Collins, the biggest takeaway here is that he re-injured his calf. So there's a really good chance that he misses a week, two weeks, three weeks. CJ Stroud is in the concussion protocol. There's a chance he misses next week. So this team could be down tremendously with Davis Mills. No Nico Collins, no Tank Dell. Dalton Schultz still recovering from a hamstring injury. Maybe Devin Singletary is a lead back again after Damian Pierce was a lead back last week. We really have no fucking idea what's going on in this team or, or this backfield anymore. It's impossible to guess who's who. It, we're playing whack-a-mole here. Um, I will say, though, Noah Brown sneaky led the team again with targets, five targets in the game where Tank and, and Nico were out. So if C.J. Stroud clears and Nico misses next game, I am going to be super fine starting Noah Brown. I think Noah Brown could be a nice player. He's had two games of over 150 receiving yards this year, and he will be the top target if those guys are out. Now, if Davis Mills is the QB, he's going to be a desperate flex play. Uh, But if Stroud is back, then Noah Brown, I feel relatively confident throwing him in there. On the flip side, Zach Wilson had a nice game, 300 yards, two touchdowns. I kind of actually wanted to look up. Hold on. Because every time Zach Wilson has like a decent game, people like lose their shit. Why is he not on here? What the fuck? They don't have his fucking shits. I wanted to see every time he threw for like 200 and or 300 yards. Has he ever done that before? What his next week's game was like. All right. Last year he threw for 355. Next week, 154. As a rookie, didn't have a single 300-yard passing game. That's nice. All right, that was a fucking useless experiment that I tried to run. So just disregard everything that comes out of my mouth. Um, Another completely unsuccessful day on the ground. I will say for C.J. Stroud, like, listen, he's a rookie still. You're talking about most of his top pass-catching weapons being out. You're talking about the Jets being one of the toughest pass defenses in the NFL, if not the single toughest one to throw against. You're talking about rainy, shitty weather out there. Like there weren't many more terrible, terrible circumstances you could have thrown at CJ Stroud. If he had a big game in this one, I would have said this dude is invincible. All right. We would have just been like, hands up. He's the best rookie quarterback of all time, but didn't Garrett Wilson. This is what we would have seen probably week in and week out. If Aaron Rodgers had stayed healthy, 14 targets, nine catches, 108 yards, Brees Hall, Big game in the receiving department. Nine uh, nine targets, eight catches, eighty six yards, and a touchdown. So he goes over a buck twenty five and a touchdown, which is you know huge to see, but still very hard to trust. It, it was good to see Zach Wilson have like a good game after watching Tim Boyle. So it seems like Zach Wilson is good now because we've just watched like rotten fucking food be on our dinner plate for the last few weeks. Now we get to like bite into a fresh strawberry. That's what Zach Wilson feels like. So I'm not going to get out over my fucking skis here, but I think we have a little bit more hope. Like I feel a little bit better about Brees Hall, a little bit better about Garrett Wilson uh, with Zach Wilson playing this way. Ravens Rams, another, this was just like a a pretty wild Sunday. A lot, a lot of teams I feel like scored over 30 points in this one, or at least like 25 plus points. I feel like in almost every game we had those, um, Stafford played lights out. Kyron Williams, 25 for 114. So continue to throw him in your lineup every single week. Cooper Cup randomly had a big comeback game, 10, 10 targets, 8, 115, and a touchdown. So maybe he's back, maybe he's not. Puka, 8 targets, 5 catches, 84 yards. I think this is more just a product of um, 
Matt Stafford just playing lights out. Puka did have one of the fucking nicest catches of the year, just fully extending, laying out. That dude is so good at ball, man. That dude, that dude is good at ball. He's just straight up a good football player, man. Um, so, yeah, I guess this gives you confidence in, in Cooper Cup for the playoffs against a Baltimore Ravens defense that was supposed to be incredibly tough to throw against. They had Matt Stafford's passing yardage line at like 195 on underdog pregame, which felt super fishy, which is why I didn't even want to touch it. Obviously, in Baltimore, the weather was supposed to be really bad. Didn't look like it was actually that bad. Um, but Stafford and the Rams, unfortunately, you know, the, the Ravens walked off with a punt return in, in overtime. Tylen Wallace, one of the first uh, good things he's done in the NFL. I liked him in college a lot. He was, he was kind of cool. But um, most of Baltimore's damage came by way of Lamar Jackson's arm. And his legs, 11 for 70 on the ground. So that was good to see. A lot of scrambling. I, I I heard somewhere that the scrambling number of uh, numbers from Lamar Jackson, this was like the most scrambles he's had since like maybe his rookie year, or like 40 years or something like that. So he's been active. He's been moving. He's been grooving. Uh, Keaton Mitchell efficient on the ground. Gus Edwards, the opposite of that, but did not lead to any sort of big fantasy day. Unfortunately, I just don't know if like, in games that are shootouts, either running back is really going to like be able to rip off big fantasy days because they're usually good when they get to the goal line and they get around the paint box down there, and that's where fantasy days come for these running backs. But in, in games where they have to throw the ball a lot, doesn't feel like it comes by way of the running back. Odell Beckham, 10 targets in this one, 4 for 97, and a touchdown. So he continues to rip together a bunch of big games, and I feel like relatively comfortable throwing Odell into my lineup, although he's still... It, weirdly enough, he's still like a part-time player. He's, he he played on 55% of the snaps in this one, but that was like his highest number in the last three to four weeks. So he continues to rip off big plays and, and like get stronger and stronger as the season progresses, but he's not playing that much. So it's it's kind of weird. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we have like a huge dud game from Odell coming soon just based on his playtime. Isaiah Likely... People that were like off of him because he had like one bad game without Mark Andrews. This is what you get. You deserve this game. Five for 83 and a touchdown. Zay Flowers, six for 60 and a touchdown in this one. So good to see both of those guys have big games. I mean, Aguilar and Bateman were never startable. I actually saw somewhere that Justice Hill led this backfield in snaps, which is insane because Keaton Mitchell had nine carries. Gus Edward had six carries. Justice Hill didn't have a single carry in this one had one touch i i can't this can't be true i gotta i gotta have been lied to gus edwards 27 percent justice hill 42 percent keaton mitchell 34 i wasn't lied to i wasn't lied to i won't have to kill whoever said that um so that's weird weird but i guess it doesn't really matter if he doesn't touch the ball Vikings Raiders. Can we skip over this? Nah, I guess we can't because there's a lot of fantasy takeaways. First fantasy takeaway, Alexander Madison likely dealing with a high ankle sprain, which means Ty Chandler will be the guy going forward. What does that mean? Uh, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good even getting these double-digit carries and double-digit double touches per game. That said, still going to get a, a lot of volume. I'd like to think this Minnesota Vikings offense is actually relatively good despite what they did in this game. Uh, so Ty Chandler becomes one of the top waiver wire pickups this week because Alexander Madison is hurt. Justin Jefferson took a hospital ball to the rib cage, went up, went to grab a ball. 
Uh, his first game back, he started off looking good, and then uh, Josh Dobbs just airmailed one right over the middle of the field. He took a shot right into his back, had to go to the hospital, but apparently he's only day-to-day. So there is a realistic good chance that he returns right away, and you could use him back into your lineup in the fantasy playoffs, which is huge. At first, uh, people were a little bit nervous that he might have fractured his ribs, which would have put him out for another probably two to four weeks, and that would have just probably been his season. The other thing is, though, uh, with Justin Jefferson, they've been really cautious with his injuries, and he's not going to want to rush back. So there's a chance he misses next week's game, but I did see that he was day-to-day. So probably best-case scenario. On the flip side, Josh Jacobs did uh, suffer a hyperextension in his knee. So they play, I believe, on Thursday, I want to say. Give me a sec. The Thursday night game is the Chargers at the Raiders in over-under of 33.5. Beautiful. So they play Thursday. The hyperextended knee is not good news for Josh Jacobs, obviously, uh, on three, four days rest. So there's a decent chance he misses this one. He probably should be back the week after that, I want to say. But that would mean Zamir White probably gets the uh, majority of the workload there against a shitty Chargers defense, against a Chargers offense that will be without Justin Herbert. So they might lean on Zamir a little bit more. So he'll be a top waiver wire ad as well this week. Nothing else to really take away here. Passing offense looks terrible. Aiden O'Connell looks terrible, etc. Seahawks Niners. I mean, the Niners stomped them out. Didn't cover the spread. The spread was 13 and a half in this one, which is kind of crazy. Um, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet both back for this one. Charbonnet actually had more carries than Kenneth Walker did in this one, but neither can get much going behind Drew Locke under center. Actually played like, okay, played better than I expected Drew Locke to play. Uh, Got Tyler Lockett to go six for 89. DK Metcalf caught the one nice touchdown pass in the beginning of the game, but didn't do much outside of that. Nobody else is really effective. On the flip side, C-Mac busted off a 72-yard run on the first carry of the game and then got vultured by Jordan Mason on the goal line, which hurt his fantasy numbers a little bit. But Brock Purdy continues his MVP crusade, 368 passing yards on 19 completions, 13.6 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, Debo goes fucking crazy again, seven for one forty nine, and he touchdown. I'm and he also had a rushing touchdown in this one. I'm not sure there's been a better player. Like Debo will probably win um, offensive player of the month in December, depending on if these games have been split up in December or not. I don't remember, but he's been crazy. Brandon Ayuk six for one twenty six. George Kittle three for seventy six and a touchdown. This is this is what we fucking need right here as fantasy people. You have a condensed offense where C Mac goes crazy, Debo goes crazy, Ayuk goes crazy, Kittle goes crazy. I mean, what fucking more can you ask for? What more can we ask for? Nothing. Nothing. Brock Purdy looks incredible out there. The 49ers are, it's not even close. They're the best team in the NFL. They have been the entire year. I've been saying this since the beginning. Even when they're on the three-game losing streak, people needed to fucking relax. They're in a tier of their own. Obviously, anything can happen in the playoffs. You could have a one-game bad sample size, but like 49ers, not a hot take. I, I Trust me, I understand that. But they are... So much better than every other team. Every part of their offense is clicking. Their defense is awesome as well. Unreal. Uh, Bills, Chiefs. I'm not really going to talk about like Mahomes at the end of the game and all that shit. We're here for fantasy. Um, This was like legitimately one of the biggest turning points in the fantasy season was when they got rid of Ken Dorsey over there in Buffalo. Because I, I, I swear, I've, I've talked about this almost every week now since it happened. And they came out and they said something that stuck with me. And something that has been really important. And Josh Allen came out and he was like, I need to play 
a more secure style of offense. I need to take what the defense is giving me. I need to check down more often, and I need to use those outlets. And since he said that, James Cook has been a fucking revelation. They use him in the passing game so often. Josh Allen came out, and he was like, rather than trying to make hero plays, rather than trying to develop everything downfield, I'm just going to use the passing game out of the backfield as an extension of the run game. I'm going to check the ball down more often. I'm going to take what I can get. If I need to get four, five, six, seven yards on dump-offs, I'm going to do that now. And that has been sticky every single week, and it's caused James Cook to be a fucking animal. And he gets targets all over the place now. Another 130 yards from scrimmage, a touchdown. James Cook is an RB1, for sure, locked in every single week. Um, Josh Allen just looks great. It was Dawson Knox's first game back, but Don Kincaid did have eight targets, so... Like, the usage did not go down much. Um, I actually want to look at the snap counts for them and see if anything really changed there. Um, I obviously was concerned with Dawson Knox's return to see if it hurt Don Kincaid at all, but no, it did not. 88% of the routes in this one, even with a Dawson Knox returning, which was higher than Week 12, it was higher than Week 11, Um some of the differences were that his catchable target rate was really bad in this one. 71% tied a season low, uh, but still saw 90% of the targets. His A dot was a little bit low in this one, but realistically it did not affect Dalton Kincaid at all. I still think he's going to be one of their top weapons going forward. Diggs had another bad game, but did have 11 targets on just 42 attempts from Josh Allen. So, I mean, I don't really know what else to say there. On the flip side, um, the backfield without Isaiah Pacheco. So, Pacheco misses one with a shoulder injury. There's no promise that he's going to be back next week. I think there's a chance that he misses next week. And if that's the case, I am super fine going back to Clyde. Clyde out-snapped Jarek McKinnon. He out-carried Jarek McKinnon. He out-targeted Jarek McKinnon. And I think in a game script like next week when they play the Patriots, that will even lean further into Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's favor. Now, he didn't do great, obviously. 11 for 39 on the ground, 2 for 29 through the air. Um, But I expect a a better game next week for Clyde, and I expect that split to be leaning even more in favor of him if Pacheco misses time. If Pacheco's back, then you're playing Pacheco, obviously, and nobody else. But um, I'm I'm not completely off of Clyde yet. Travis Kelsey gets it done, 10 targets. Rashi Rice gets it done, 10 targets, 7 for 72, and a touchdown. And he had a season high, 80% of the snaps. So we're finally seeing Rashi Rice be like a full-time player. And thank fucking God, because the rest of that supporting group is, they are they are just children out there. They are terrible. Oh, my God. I, I feel bad. Like, Mahomes coming out at the end of the game was more so just a product of him being probably so pissed off at his teammates, so pissed off at management, being like, brother, my brother's up there in the booth. Stop putting Kadarius Tony, MVS, Justin Watson, Richie James, and Sky Moore on the field with me. Do you see the type of player I am? And do you see the type of player they're not? Easy math equation there. Stop putting them on the fucking field. I'm pissed. Uh, Broncos Chargers. Russ played pretty well in this one. Javante finally scored a rushing touchdown. Cortland Sutton continues to get it done, continues to get into the fucking end zone. It's incredible. In this offense, you could only play Russ, Javante, and Cortland Sutton. And I feel pretty good about playing all of them, to be honest with you, because they all get workloads. They all score touchdowns, and that's it. Uh, On the flip side, Justin Herbert broke his finger. Um, 
We don't know how long he's going to be out for. He won't play on Thursday Night Football, obviously. But he might be out for the rest of the season, which means Easton Stick is going to play. Um, and that's not great. It's not good. We did see Austin Eckler finally like have a good game. 16 touches or 15 touches. Five through the air. 100 total yards from scrimmage. Did score a touchdown. So like fantasy-wise, he for sure got it done for you. Um, didn't look great. And I don't expect this offense to run smoothly. But I do expect Easton Stick to check down to running backs a lot going forward. He made Quentin Johnson like a target magnet in this one for whatever reason. They connected, but that's not like, I'm I'm good. I'm good. We've seen Quentin Johnson this year already. Keenan Allen kind of kind of drops down to like a, um, ugh, I guess like a, uh, you know, like a wider the wide receiver twenty ish, eighteen to twenty four, like a low end wide receiver two in my eyes now. He'll he'll get the volume like he did in this game, twelve targets, but I'd imagine he'll finish with a lot of games like you know it's going to be like the Garrett Wilson effect. Great receiver, shitty quarterback, really inconsistent production. But I do expect them to continue to try to lean on their running backs going forward. Um, so Eckler, I feel relatively good about throwing into my lineup again going forward, but uh, it, it's a disgusting offense right now. Eagles-Cowboys. Dak, you want to talk about uh, the MVP gauntlet right now. This pretty much throws Dak above Jalen Hurts for sure. Uh, he's probably the betting favorite. I didn't actually check lines before, but him and Purdy got to be really, really close. This was the win that they were kind of waiting for. This was the win that they needed. Um, now Dallas is 7-0 at home, 10-3 and on the season. Dak Prescott has played borderline fucking lights out. Um, Ferguson, another big game, 5-72. for 72. He's, he's been awesome at, at tight end, which is nice because he was one of my, like, one of my fucking guys this offseason. CeeDee Lamb, 6-71 for 71 and a touchdown. He does great. Um, Gallup has a good game, 3-48 for 48 and a touchdown, but he's untrustable. It's fucking uncrustable out here. Um, hang. What else we got? Tony Pollard, disappointing game. What else is fucking new? Actually, I mean, he plays well if you're in a PPR league, 7 for 37. But 16 for 59 on the ground. Rico Dowdle is the one who gets into the end zone, 12 for 46, and a touchdown. So, again, this was kind of always going to be the case with Tony Pollard. If they're not playing against really, really bad run defenses, he's probably not going to be great for you for fantasy. On the flip side, you could see that receiving group really, really condensed. It's A.J. Brown, it's Monte Smith, and it's Dallas Goddard. Zacchaeus was the only player on this team to see a single target outside of those three. That's not good. This offense feels feels a little gross. It feels a little all over the place. It feels a little broken. Um, they're ten and three, but they are they're going to struggle in the playoffs when they have to play good teams every single week. Very clear to me and everybody else out there, most likely. DeAndre Swift, another disappointing game, 11 for 39 on the ground, but the Dallas defense is fucking ferocious. So I won't look too much into that, but they got to they gotta do something a little bit different here in Philly if they expect to beat the teams like Dallas, if they expect to beat the teams um, like the 49ers, which that shit ain't going to happen. Um. But huge game for Dallas, huge game for Dak, huge game for his MVP candidacy. Candidacy. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I believe that's all the games. All right. We did Thursday Night Football because we've got two more on Monday Night Football tonight. They're doing like a double header ish type beat. Um, yeah. That's all we got. 
All right. So thank you guys for joining me today. Every Monday we do this recapping. We will do this all the way through week 18. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you got the notification button turned on because it'll let you know when we go live. Tomorrow we will have our waiver wire video live for you at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Our waiver wire rankings will be live on the site for members, bdge.co to sign up. And again, make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog app. The link below will take you right to the App Store because they've got this free square for you, Tua, over 0.5 passing yards. He completes one pass. You're a winner on the app, underdogfantasy.com. And if you sign up with our code, BDGE, not only are you going to get that free square, but they're going to double whatever you put down. If you put down 50 into your account, first-time depositor, you use code BDGE, you're going to have 100 to play with. Because that's what we do here. We care for you. We nurture you. We love you. I'd give you a kiss if you were here right now, but you're not. So I'm out. I'll see you tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.